This is the Love and Sex Unfiltered Podcast. Hosted by licensed marriage and family therapist and certified Gottman Method couples therapist, Sonia Jensen. Let's dive into the unfiltered side of what it takes to create communication, intimacy, and chemistry, not just in relationships with a partner, but the relationship you have with you. Here's your host, Sonia Jensen. Hey, everybody. Welcome again to another session of the Love and Sex Unfiltered podcast. I'm your host, Sonia Jensen. I really want to talk about something very vulnerable for me, story that I share only when it's appropriate. A lot of people know like the overwhelming story, but not a lot of people know the personal aspects of it. And it might relate to some of you. It might not at all, but maybe you know somebody who's gone through this and maybe you fear going through this. But I oh, I was telling y'all in my, my last podcast about how I had my husband and I had our son when I was nine. I think I was nine. No, I was 18. I had him six weeks before I turned 19. So I was really young. And I just was way in over my head becoming a parent at 19. I knew that I just did not want any more children. I just wanted to finally, when my son got a little bit older and I was building a career at the time, I was not a counselor, but I was building a career. I just wanted to be kind of selfish. I wanted to focus on me. I wanted to think about what I wanted to do. And I was finishing up my first year of finals in grad school to become a therapist. I was literally, (laughs) I was also part of developing, or I was developing a ministry for the Rock Church in San Diego. It was this big, large discipleship ministry where I was walking, you know, I think we walked like 200 women through the first year, and I was developing all the curriculum, and we were, I was starting that off and kind of building a team, and it was growing bigger than I ever expected. I was studying for finals and my husband and I had already agreed that we were not going to have any more kids. And I was studying at Panera Bread. <laughs> I remember it so well. I realized that I had like this high sense of smell and that I couldn't focus on my work. And I had like such huge deadlines to take care of. And I'm like, why the hell can I not focus on what I'm supposed to be focusing on right now? And I look at my calendar and I realize that I was late. And my husband was on a, a business trip and my son was at school. And I go next door to CVS and I get a pregnancy test. And, and sure enough, I go home and I, I'm pregnant. And I, I freaked out. I freaked out. You know, and and first, you know, my mother was trying to tell me, hey, it's going to be okay. Like, you can get through this. And I'm like, oh, my God, what's this going to mean for my career as a therapist and grad school? And I can't do all this. I don't want this. I didn't want it. I I didn't want it. And, you know, my husband got home a couple days later and he was like, you know, we'll figure it out. We'll make it work. And it was brutal. I was really sick. And barely was was making it through. And I was really resentful. I was mad. I was angry. And, you know, I was about I was about six, seven weeks pregnant. We went on a trip and I couldn't even get off the couch. And I started spotting and 
it scared me. It kind of jolted me out of my ho-hum resentfulness. And we went to the, we went to the hospital and saw the ultrasound. She was perfect. She had like this little fast heartbeat. She was amazing. And I just felt all this love so quickly for her. And I just knew, I knew she was supposed to be with me, that she was changing my life. So we go back home. We fly back home from vacation and finally getting in this place where I had accepted it and I was excited about it. All the doctors were like, it was, it's great. Everything looks awesome. And, and then we go in for the first ultrasound and she was, she was gone. She had no heartbeat. And it was like living an out-of-body experience. I mean, I just remember being in the dark room and... The tech just kind of left me there. She didn't know what to do, and my husband didn't know what to say. And I just started sobbing and sobbing and sobbing. And they pulled me into the back room and and started telling me about my options, you know, that I could let it pass naturally or I could take a pill to pass, you know, the tissue is what they called her. And or I could do a, a DNC, which was it's like an abortion where they take the baby out of your womb, you go and you have surgery and I decided to do the DNC that day because I couldn't stand the thought of going home with a dead baby inside of me. So, you know, my husband left me there. He had to go take care of our son, had to make sure he had somewhere to go while I was staying. And, you know, the meanest thing that my OBGYN did, they put me at the labor and delivery at the hospital to in the waiting room. And so there's all these people, you know, coming by with balloons and wearing stickers that says, you know, I'm a grandma, I'm a grandpa. And Oh my God, I was, I was gutted. I was gutted. And, um, you know, at the time, you know, health insurance didn't cover pregnancies. And so I had to pay out of pocket to have my baby removed from me. That was a whole nother side story, but it was awful. So they take me into this room and they make me wait there for a while. And the nurses were, were really kind. And eventually they wheeled me into the surgical unit. And I just, I remember just being numb, but as the anesthesiologist was coming in to put me under, I just, I saw this kind of, I guess I saw her leave my body. And I remember telling her I was crying on the table. And I remember telling her I was just so sorry. I was just so sorry that I resented her. And I was sorry that I didn't, I couldn't keep her. And, um, you know, you wake up later and you just, you feel nothing. And you know, everybody tries to tell you, like, it's going to be okay. Like, you can, you can try again. You'll be fine. It was <laughs> what I loved is, you know, this is just God gives and he takes away. You know, God has a plan and a purpose for this. And it just, it didn't feel like there was any plan or purpose for that loss. You know, I, I finished at this point. I was in summer break for for grad school and I put my son in, in summer camp and I literally just closed the blinds. I just closed the blinds. And I lived in my little living room watching Felicity and Mad Men. So you can you can tell what my headspace was at. It was pretty dark. And because we didn't have the right health insurance at, at that point, I think we received, I want to say we had seventeen or eighteen thousand dollars in bills uh for the DNC. And so every day like not only was I traumatized of losing this baby, but I was traumatized of going to the mailbox and, and getting the mail. And the blessing in all of that is I was, Obamacare went into play 
within two days of my DNC when it covered pregnancy. I had to fight it with the insurance carriers to get it covered. And I got all the $1,800 covered of that. But that was, that was quite the process. And I decided that I, oh man, I was going to get pregnant again. I was like, now I know, like, I want a baby. (laughs) And so, but I was like, I want to get through grad school. I want to finish that over the next year. And of course, my friend from grad school ended up getting pregnant just a couple months later. That was gut-wrenching, watching people get pregnant. (laughs) Um, If any of you have been through a miscarriage, you know, you see pregnant women everywhere. You see an ultrasound and you just, you just fall apart. So we finished grad school. And my husband took a job in Illinois from San Diego. And so we moved, we moved to Illinois and he was traveling a lot, but I was like, okay, I'm ready. I'm I'm ready. We're going to try to have a baby. So here's where my husband's in burnout (laughs) and I am devastated from my pregnancy loss. And I am all about getting pregnant again. And I wanted my husband to make it up to me because he didn't know how to take care of me. He couldn't grieve like I grieved, but man, he was going to make it up to me, giving me another baby. So. I got pregnant again and lost the baby almost immediately. That one was hard. That one was really hard. But it wasn't like losing my first one. I named her Blessing, by the way. And some of you have heard me talk about her, but she's given me so much. And so when I lost that second pregnancy, it started to feel like it was never going to happen for me. So I started on HCG medications and tracking everything. And in that time frame, my husband's burnout went to a full fever pitch and we moved away from Illinois and my family who lived there and they were unhappy with us. And now we, we lived with my husband's family for a short while and then finally moved into an apartment and I was working in community mental health and still forcing the issue of getting pregnant, even though we had like literally nothing to go on. And Thanksgiving of that year. So now this is over a year after the second miscarriage. I found out I was pregnant and I was so, so, so excited. Things felt like they were finally looking up, like things were going to get better. I was working with foster youth at the time and wanted to adopt every one of them. And of course, a lot of them were getting pregnant themselves. So like questioning God, like how can teenagers get pregnant and I can't. And so anyways, we go for the first ultrasound day after Christmas. There was no baby. They couldn't, couldn't find it until they found it in my fallopian tube. And it was an ectopic pregnancy. And... <laughs> They had to admit me to the hospital that day because at that point I was seven or eight weeks along, something like that, with an ectopic pregnancy, which can be very dangerous. And so they admit me to the overnight hospital and we had no family, no help, no support. And my husband had to go be with our son at home. And it was around midnight. And my nurse, she came in and, and she talked to me. She just sat down and she started telling me her story of how many babies she had lost and how they were trying to get pregnant and finding a donor and a surrogate. And I just remember connecting with this woman I didn't even know for hours in the middle of the night, sharing stories about wanting babies and not being able to have them. And I felt this release that I wasn't alone, that what I was going through wasn't something that I, I had to keep to myself. And the next day, 
the way that they dissolve an ectopic pregnancy is for some it's with methotrexate. And so they came in, I mean, like full on gear, like think COVID-19 gear, walking around with like helmets and like gloves and full body cover. And they shoot me up with methotrexate and then they send me home and the baby was gone. At that point, my dream and everything I had worked so hard for, everything that I hoped that I would get, all the number tracking and the hoping and the pleading and the praying, believing, it was gone. I had to give up that dream. Uh, After that monstrosity, my husband left his job again. And we moved from Sacramento at that time back to San Diego where he started a mortgage. I was resigned to kind of living life on my terms and moving forward and being grateful and putting putting everything I had into to what I was already, what was already in front of me instead of thinking about all that I couldn't have. And of course, two months later, I turn up pregnant and I have, I have this beautiful, crazy little girl now who's turning six in two months. And I remember all that hardship, those years of loss. I just kept feeling like nothing was ever going to get better. Everything just felt so dark and so depressing. And so everybody else was blessed but me. Um, and I was just meant to suffer and like God was punishing me. It wasn't until after my daughter was born that I really started to think about that first loss that had blessing not happened to me. She never come. I don't know as if I'd had the same dreams. I wouldn't have the chance to hold this beautiful little girl to be her mom and to be grateful for the things I had. She blessing taught me so much and she gave me so much. And for that, I will forever be grateful. And I think the stories and the things that we have to walk through, while they are hard and we do need to acknowledge how hard they are, we need to grieve and we need to feel that. We have to make sense of it. We have to to give it meaning in some ways. And not all of you have to be there. Maybe you're in the thick of it right now and you're thinking to yourself, like, there's no way I can make meaning out of that. And I get it. You're grieving. But for me, like, I had to walk through the fire and I had to make meaning of it. And it wasn't just because I finally got what I wanted, but because for the first time in my life, I had to go through some really, really hard things that forced me to grow up, that forced me to take these kind of rose-colored glasses off and realize that life is hard. And, you know, we're all fighting this battle and we're all like trying to hold it together and pretend that it's going to be okay. And I know what I really needed was people telling me that, you know what, it does suck. And it doesn't feel like it's going to be okay. That's okay. You know, I think there's in our culture, this idea of toxic positivity, where we have to just be like, everything's going to be okay, or everything just happens for a reason. And you know, sometimes this shit just sucks. Sometimes like there's nothing to say other than it sucks. And this is painful. And I want to be here for you in practical ways. I want to show up for you because you're hurting and I want to just sit with you or I want to tell you that your feelings matter. We need to be there for each other. We need to stop telling everybody that it's going to be okay, that, you know, look at it this way. As you grieve, you figure that out for yourself. It took me years to get to that point. It didn't happen overnight, even though everybody wanted it to happen overnight. So I hope you take away from this. 
whether you've been through miscarriages or wanting to get pregnant and not being able to, or losing someone or something that was so valuable and precious to you that you sometimes feel like you can't breathe, that it's okay to not be okay. It's okay that life just sucks sometimes and like there's no words that make it better. And we just have to acknowledge that grief is important. But what I will tell you is that the more you try to push down those feelings and pretend that everything's okay, the bigger and bigger and more out of control that grief becomes. So what I learned and what I wish I had, I wish that I had somebody that could sit with me and just say like, it's okay to not be okay, but I'm going to sit in it with you. And I wish that I could talk to somebody else about their experience, both in it, through it, and on the other side of it. I wish, I wish that I knew that grief was something that needed to be felt and was worthy of feeling and that it wasn't going to overwhelm me or overtake me or last forever, but that it was temporary. And so I want you to take that away, that what you're going through, well, it's really, really painful. It matters and it's valid and what you feel is real, but it doesn't have to steal your life forever. You can't run away from it. You have to feel it. And you need a community of people that can walk through it with you and know that you're not alone. And that when you least expect it, the most amazing things will happen. And those could be small conversations with a nurse in a hospital bed, or they could be moments in a Panera where you realize your whole life is shifting, or they can be moments where you're drinking sake and you realize that you just don't feel well. Whatever it is, there's little moments and they're out there and the grief won't always hold tight, but you can get through this. Whatever it is you're going through, you can get through this. If you have questions or things that you want to process and you want to hear stories, I want to know what those stories are that you need to hear. I want to know what those questions are that you want to explore and process. And we can do that here on the podcast. If this was helpful for you or you're enjoying the podcast, please leave us a review and share it, you know, on your social media. And of course, follow me on Instagram because I'm trying to post some fun things and some tips and obviously just want to connect with you. There you have it. If this episode hit home for you, take a second to share it with a friend, screenshot it and share it on Instagram or leave a five star review on Apple Podcasts. If you want to learn more tips and stay connected with Sonia, follow her on Instagram at the Sonia Jensen. And if you want to find more information, you can check out her website at www.sonyajensen.com. Until next time, remember, stay real, stay unfiltered, and dig deep.